When life happens, plans need to change. Shaping Change, hosted by certified financial planner Ross Marino, is dedicated to helping financial advisors better serve their clients when life takes those unexpected turns. Welcome to This Is How I Work. Today, I am joined by Joan Cox with Transitus Wealth Partners. Hi, Joan. Good morning, Ross. Thanks for being on the show today. We're going to talk about your history as a financial planner and how you specialize in transitions. And before we dive into that, could you give us a little bio of what you've done in the business and where you are today? Sure. Uh, I have been in the registered investment advisory area for about 10 years, but I started out in the traditional uh, broker dealer world of, you know, we do financial planning, had great training and, but all of that was a system for delivering product, you know, so find out what you can about clients and that way you can do insurance, you can do mutual funds, certificates, the whole shebang. And at some point as my practice matured, I felt like I wanted to be able to offer more to clients. And more recently, I would say in the last several years, because I've been at this for 37 years. So, um, so you know, I have lived a lot of transitions with clients, uh, birth of children, marriages, divorces, widowhood. And I realized that I probably needed a little bit different skill set um, to be able to go beyond just the investment piece, because there was other stuff they were now relying on me for because of the relationship we had. So as you go through this evolution, you watch these clients go through changes, they go through transitions. Was there a time where you maybe realized this is way more intense than I thought. And even though I'm doing financial planning, all of a sudden, it looks like there's a lot more going on here. Do you you remember a moment or was it a process? I think it was more a process. And I'll say yes and no, because again, a little bit about my background, my, my educational background is in communication. So I've always been attuned to listening to people Uh, I maybe just didn't know what to do with that listening, Um, you know, how to convert that into how can I really help someone. So I think uh, it may have been maybe my first widow who walked in in a fog. and, And then the other thing I would say is more recently, it's been the aging and longevity piece because people are sensitive to it. They don't want to talk about it, but they understand its reality. So um, yeah, just honing those skills of how to break it down where it's digestible in small pieces. Well, I'd imagine as people come to you, you get a lot of referrals and sometimes they're in really intense situations and life changes and the typical financial planner engagement of data gathering just isn't going to work. So let's take a widow, for example. If you get a referral, they call in, you set up a Zoom call, or you go meet them in person. How do you start that engagement? I start out by saying, tell me what's going on. You know, basically, I just want to get a feel for how they've walked in, uh, what's going on with them. Uh, We might talk about what their concerns are, but mostly it is a listening meeting where I am listening and trying to make notes um, of what's of most concern to them. And sometimes we don't get very far. It can be emotional. It can be various things. And, And the one thing I really try to do with them is say, this is normal. 
you know, I usually have a box of Kleenex, you know, available to hand them or not even to hand them, but that's there so that they understand they don't have to ask for it. They, they don't, there's no shame in the way they feel. So yeah, just trying to sort of normalize things and, and, and not data gathering, but emotion gathering, if that makes sense. What a, what a great contrast. So data gathering versus emotion gathering. Pretty sure that's not in the CFP curriculum, uh, although I'm, uh, like you, many decades past the CFP, although they're doing a great job recently of adding in behavioral finance questions and topics related to that. So let's talk about emotion gathering. What kind of notes are you taking? What are you listening for? Are there any cues? Walk us through that process. Well, first of all, I, on some, in some cases, I don't want to make notes while they're there. So I'm really trying to commit it to memory. And then as soon as the appointment is over, make fast and furious notes. And those notes may be about their body language, their, um, whether they do hold it together, whether they seem hesitant, um, because that's going to give me a feel for how they want to approach things. Um, but otherwise, I'm just asking them, tell me, tell me what, you know, uh, what you're thinking, how are you feeling, um, what's most important to you uh, to address first. And sometimes it just ends up being a spewing and they just start talking lots of things. So that sort of takes me into a different approach of, of kind of how we um, how we, uh, what's the word, you know, like with the lasso, how you, how you rein it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know when you ask, what are you thinking and how are you feeling? Uh, people may just start talking. And I, I know I've had experiences where people monologue 10 minutes straight. I, I mean, it's, that's a long time for someone you just met to talk, but uh, I'm sometimes really amazed at how forthcoming people really are. Is it, does it, does it ever surprise you or catch you off guard when people, they just tell everything, they just lay it out there and, you know, we're just hoping for some good details. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, you almost like you got their life story. Yes. And sometimes I'm prepared for it and sometimes I'm not depending, but I've been at this long enough that there's not a lot that surprises me anymore. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me because the information, this may come from my communications background, I don't know, but the information, aside from the information itself, the facts, it's what they choose to tell me um, or not tell me, um, tells a lot about their personality and maybe how, how we would move forward. How about we take an example of a hypothetical client or just a situation? I know you're faculty with the Financial Transitions, Transitionist Institute, so you've developed case studies. So how about we just do an example where you have someone that comes in, you're meeting with them, as a CFP, this is what we would do, but because you're a certified financial transitionist, you kind of tweaked the process and maybe you went a, a different route. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, I'll be glad to, because a lot of my clients up to a few years ago, my transition clients were existing clients. And so you kind of knew where they were coming from and then something happened and you're there, the trust is already there. So, all you need to do is maybe reassure them and gather some data. But I had a, a, um, 
a woman that came in a few years ago who had really hurt. She told me, my therapist says I'm suffering from PTSD. She had moved back to this country. Uh, she's from here, but she had lived abroad for many years, but her mother was aging. And so she decided to move back. Um, so that was a transition. Um, and two or three months later, she went down to her mother's house to check on her and found her unresponsive in bed and tried to revive her. So there was that. And um, then three months after that, same thing happened with her husband. And so she, like, she, even a year after that, she still hadn't unpacked boxes. I mean, she hadn't gotten to that point. And when she came in, it really was just a matter. She didn't know me from Adam. And I don't actually think she was a referral. I think she looked up this kind of stuff and found me um, because of the, I think the transitionist uh, uh, keyword or whatever. And um, we, we, went through the process. We talked, we really didn't talk about numbers or anything for a couple of months, but she told me about a year ago and I've worked with her for three or four years now. She told me about a year ago. She says, you know, the one thing I remember that you told me that first day is you're going to be okay. I'm going to make sure that you're safe. You don't need to make any long-term decisions now. Just, you know, take a deep breath. And that that settled her. And that was something that, um, that really stuck with her. We went on to work on a lot of issues. I mean, she had a long commute um, to work and she was very stressed at work and stressed with the commute. And her husband had bought another dog, a puppy, right before he passed away. So now she had, you know, three dogs. And it was just, you know, she just didn't know which end was up. And she went back to work with the idea of, I need some normalcy in my life. But ultimately, we did end up doing an exercise, Am I Okay?, where I ran some numbers for her and looked at what sources of income she had and encouraged her that she would be able to retire, go ahead and retire. So um, it's been a great relationship. So that's a tool from the Financial Transitionist Institute called Am I Okay? Uh, right. I love that tool, right? It's usually just a one pager, maybe two pages, but when someone comes in to be able to tell them you're going to be okay, the words sound nice, but the Am I Okay protocol that you follow, that actually shows them that you're going to be okay. Can you talk a little bit about how you use that? Yeah, and actually with her, I discovered further down the road that I made a mistake. So, um, so what we look at is we do look at the numbers. We look at what she needs and I run it through, at that point I'm doing the more technical side of it. I'm running it through my financial planning software and then looking to see if she's going to make it. And the smart thing to do, which I probably did, um, was to do a one page summary of this is, however you do it. I do it in PowerPoint, I use graphics because pictures, are much easier to process than a lot of words on a page. Um, but so you would do a one page where you say, this is what you need, here are your sources of income. And based upon that, here's what it looks like. And, and, and letting them know all their goals have been met, et cetera. I did not know her though, remember? I didn't, she was somebody new. So, and she worked in sort of a, 
not accounting, but did st stuff with numbers. And so I thought she was technical. So I showed her like the very detailed pages of here's what it's going to look like, you know, year by year, et cetera. And she couldn't process that. But I didn't know about that until probably a year later when she said, you know, really, I resent all this, that my husband used to handle all this and I could just work and travel and do what I wanted to do. And I'm looking at those numbers and I think, well, I spent more than that this year. And so I realized it was a good learning for me that I needed to go back to just keeping it simple, reassuring her that she didn't need to see all of the numbers because that just created more stress for her. And that stress that it can create, it can be overwhelming. It, it's so hard for someone like me or you as a planner to sit with someone and really understand how much of a fog they're in. Because you and I can have a conversation. I've experienced it myself. I've had disruptions at home. I've experienced it with clients. You have a conversation, three, four weeks later, no recollection whatsoever. And that person's actually talking with you. So you think that they hear you and we document and we take notes, but then you find out they have no idea what you're talking about. How do you work with that? That's very interesting. Um, you know, usually you don't know that until three or four weeks later. So then you sort of drop back and punt to use a sports term. Um, you know, I go back and say, you know, I know that we've talked about this, but kind of give me an idea of, I, I just talk to them. I just ask questions. Tell me, tell me what's going on with you now. You know, tell me if you're ready to talk about this. Um, and uh, I've had a client recently who was, um, who went through this hurricane that we had here a few months ago, uh, 82 years old, um, three trees on her house, on her roof. Um, and I realized that she's in crisis mode. So I've really got to take the cues and say, I know what needs to be. I do. I know what needs to be done. And there are time sensitive things, but I've got to take it at her pace. And I've got to say, okay, what's number one on your list? Um, there are a lot of things that she has said to me in the last few, few weeks when she's looking at stuff, say, well, this says I need to do this and do that. And if I'm going to do financial planning, which you offer, and I, I, I realize she doesn't realize that, but we did that two years ago. So, you know, it's that, and that has nothing to do with age or that kind of cognitive stuff. It's just, so that's when I realized, okay we need to take this piece by piece. And so sometimes it's a matter of sitting down and looking at what you're using and whether it works. I often will call on one of my fellow transitionists and they call on me and we'll have a call and I say, okay, what am I not seeing? You know, here are, here's the facts for this client. And I've had them ask me questions that made me realize we all come to stuff with biases, our preferred method of um, dealing with stuff or our preferred type of person that we work with. And when you get somebody that's off the beaten path, sometimes you need a gut check. So I guess I would say that, um, 
And one of the things I like, I sound like I'm stomping for a transitionist work, but I am because it's just a tremendous group of people who are willing to share and share ideas and strategies and say, no, I think, you know, you might want to go in this direction. So, um, yeah, I've kind of rambled, but does that answer your question? <laughs> it does. It does. And it's what it just shows to me. And, and I love this about the work of being a transitionist is we know everybody's unique, but now we really learn that everybody's unique and gathering data to use money guide pro or e-money or whatever software you use. It's valuable going through the planning process. It's valuable. And we may give lip service to everybody is unique and everybody has their own goals and how they think and how they feel. But when you go through a transition with somebody, you realize that their journey is theirs alone. And just getting some insight into that is just so powerful and being in a position to help somebody and just, just knowing that, yes, we have our biases, but I don't really know what they're thinking. I don't know how things are going to play out. And I know you're really good about the first question, which is what would make our time most valuable to you? Great question. I try to remind myself to say that as well, because we have a bias going in, they're coming in. We have some history. We know what needs to get done in this meeting. We don't know what needs to get done. We have our own ideas, but they're going to have their own agenda. How many times do you ask that question and, and someone tells you this is exactly it and it wasn't exactly on your checklist going into the meeting? Oh, a lot. A lot. Absolutely. Or they will admit that there's something that they want, but um, or that they'll mention what was on my agenda, but that isn't the first thing they want to talk about. Um, it's also really helpful, just like we say, you know, what's going on? How did you get here? Um, you may find that they've had a change in their life that they think was minor, uh, but it does impact stuff. You know, maybe uh, an adult child has moved home or is out of work or they feel the tug to, you know, help, help, um, help them. So, yeah, it's um. You, you learn a lot by just asking those open questions to begin with. What would make our time together most valuable? And has anything changed since we last met? I mean, it's, that's basically, I mean, I'm not putting us in the category of doctors, but doctors say the same thing. What's, what's different? So. And that's really the, the key to being a good financial planner, I believe is just asking questions. That's the start. Mm -hmm. If we're not asking good questions, the impact of our work is going to be limited. How about any final thoughts for anybody listening who's out there being a financial planner, trying to help their clients? I think more and more, you mentioned behavioral, behavioral finance early on, and my exposure to that several years ago was it was, a way, again, a way of selling things to people, understanding how they make decisions, but with the ultimate goal of implementing whatever you had to offer. So I wouldn't want people to confuse what we do with behavioral finance. Um, it is, and, and not with therapy, but it is uh, a different approach to really getting to, <laughs> the regulators have this know your client um, but it's more than just numbers. It is really understanding what makes them tick, 
what their priorities are and trying to serve them from their viewpoint. Great way to finish. Joan Cox, Director of Advanced Planning, Transitus Wealth Partners. Thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Shaping Change with Ross Marino. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results. Visit rlsummit.com to learn more.